Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. In this episode, episode 62, we're covering chapters 9 and 10 from part 2 Exile of book 3 Imago of the Xenogenesis trilogy by Octavia E. Butler. My name is Richard Acton and I'm joined on this makeshift raft on the river uh, by my co-host. Michael Glinka. Hi everyone. How Richard? How are you doing? Hi Michael. <laughs> I'm good, thanks. <laughs> exciting, exciting. Uh, mm. The It's time for them to journey back, but as always, Octavia likes to like to throw logs uh, in front <laughs> of you just to, so you trip or rather logs in the river. Yep, yep. So we've got some uh, some metamorphosis to deal with and, you know, the usual craziness of you know random pot shots <laughs> basically you know it's just the usual life as is you know you, you go nice forest hike and then you have to be careful that you suddenly don't metamorphosize or uh, get shot by some wild people yeah can't just take a peaceful ride down the river with your new alien friend um, Mate? Yeah, let's go with friend. friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, friend doesn't seem to quite cover this relationship, does it? <laughs> no, no, it really doesn't. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, yeah, you're, you're alien incest mediator? <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way, yeah, that doesn't sound as nice. Okay, no, we don't have no. to be so negative about it. <laughs> You know, you got to work on the spin, right? Yeah, you have to spin it better. <laughs> sell it, you know, remember, in business, it's about selling it, so you have to sell it better, originally. <laughs> uh, this, this is why I'm not in business. <laughs> <laughs> as you, as everyone can probably hear, we have more energy than usual. I, we had a bit of a break in between of the recordings because I was on my honeymoon. Uh, so that's why there's a bit of more energy floating around in the space, but don't worry. <laughs> Life will hit us hard soon, so don't, that's you know we'll be back to normal. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a uh, uh, an optimistic perspective as usual on this podcast. <laughs> uh, and on that okay note, then. should we get yeah, on to my predictions? Uh, yeah, let's jump in. So, on, from my chapter 9 prediction, obviously we're like, okay, Jada's second metamorphosis. I should have seen it coming, you know, knowing very well that Octavia Butler likes to throw everything in one pot simultaneously after a bit of peri brief period of peace. Um, but I didn't. I generally thought that, like, oh, okay, there's something good, you know, they might get back to the house and then something bad will happen. But no, she was like, Gotcha, son. Here, gotcha. Here, you know, it's. Yep, can't be uh, taking the exposed travel route of the river all the way back home and not expect to encounter some uh, some resistors. So. Exactly. So mm -hmm. here we are, basically. Uh, but yeah, let's get the let's get to the chapter nine summary, shall we? Sure. So the chapter begins with Jodas pleading to Thomas and Hesusa to stay with it. They slept together as they traveled, and Jodas was changing their bodies, but now it was about Jodas. Its metamorphosis was close, and it needed its mates to be near it for security. And now looking at Jesus and Thomas, it felt afraid and desperate. They had no idea how much it needed them. Thomas was on board with it, but Jesus was still confused. In her eyes, she thought that Jodas was expecting her and her brother to have intercourse, you know, inc incest intercourse, you know, uh, Sweet mm. Home Alabama, 
but Jodas quickly <laughs> clarified the mistake, right? It was like it asked them to touch each other, and the moment they held, they tried to he- hold their hands, the physical repulsion kicked in. You know, the one, the same one. Um, you, if you can remember with uh, Lilith and Joseph, where in the book one, same situation as he is, is, isn't here. Mm-hmm. It then took their hands and put on each of its thighs and connected uh, to their nervous systems. At that point, it suddenly felt like they were holding each other's hand and Jodas disappeared. It has shown them that everything they do, that everything they do would be through it. Hmm. But Thomas thought something was wrong and Jodas told them that it's actually now undergoing metamorphosis. Um, it would, but it would take a long time, several months, up to a year. So they needed to take it back to... Um, its family. It asked them to build a raft and both of the siblings promised that to stay and help it. As they went away to build the raft, Jesus and Thomas talked. Jesus was afraid. She still wasn't sure of what does Jodas want and this whole situation was so alien. I mean, literally mm, alien, literally. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in a, a piece from the book, um, paragraph from the book, when I think of leaving Jodas, finding other human beings, or perhaps even going to call in the Mars, my stomach knots. It wants us to stay, and I want to stay, and so do you, but we shouldn't. Something is wrong. Yeah, and so we, we kind of get at this point that, that uh, from Jodas's internal monologue that it's making an, a fairly important choice, effectively, on Thomas and Jesus' behalf yeah. at this point. Um, I had a little quote here from the, the book. Was that how Nakange had done it a century before? Lilith had been with it when its second metamorphosis began. Had it been tempted to say, if you stay with me now, you'll never leave? Or had it simply never thought to say anything? It was Owen Kali. It had probably never thought to say anything. It wouldn't have been harboring any sexual feelings for her at that point. It had enjoyed her because she was so un-Owen Kali. Different, dangerous, and fascinating. I felt those things myself about these two, but I felt more. As Nakanj had said, I was precocious. I said nothing at all to Tomas. Someday he would curse me for my silence. So, yeah, we have this... Not telling Tomas and Jesusa that if you stay with me now, you will never leave. Portion, right? So they're not really able to make any kind of uh, informed choice about that. But uh, at the same time, you also have uh, Jodas in kind of a sticky situation. Otherwise, right? If if he tells them this and they decide not to stick around, then it's stuck in the middle of the jungle, semi-conscious, going through metamorphosis and. That's not going to be at all a pleasant experience for it if there's no one there to help it out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Also, just mm. off topic, Richard, um, you really mm. should do recordings for audiobooks. Man, your voice is so good when you just like, I was like, mm, I could listen to audiobook with your, <laughs> with your voice. <laughs> No, I have contemplated. Well, I, I have a tiny bit part in in the uh, at the end of the Harry Potter and Methods of Rationality recording. I'm one of the Death Eaters. Um, uh, but I, I, I kind of considered doing a couple of like uh, you know uh, like web serial type things uh-huh. as audiobook stuff, but I've never really had the time. Right? It's yeah. The, I mean, knowing you, you probably editing, have especially. you have you're doing thousands of things. Adding extra one would just basically not be possible. I mean, I, I quite I, the recording stuff is fun. I mean, mm-hmm. it does get a bit. Um, like you know, wears on the voice a little bit, especially if I you know if I try and do a you know like a, a, a fun sexy radio voice. <laughs> um, what's what's the? Can you tell me the name of the actor who played Gollum? 
Um, um, Andy's circus. Yes, yes. He he. The reason why I mention him is because in his uh, role of Gollum, he used to drink this concoction of honey, lemon. I think lemon, honey, and something else in that. And basically, he would drinking hectoliters of it um, <laughs> to preserve his voice, basically. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, uh, it'll be just to brew you like a cauldrons full of this liquid, and then you would be like recording like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> to start putting like butter and honey in my tea. <laughs> By the end of the recording, you would look like a beach ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, off, maybe, off topic. Going maybe. back, um, yeah, absolutely. This is this is the same situation where uh, Lilith wasn't told what what's in front of her, right? Nikanj was just basically, please stay with me, and never mention mm. anything. And the same situation is happening here. That you know, it's a lifetime commitment, and they will not be able to go, and probably will result like Lilith going on their her, on her journeys. Um, Every so often in the frustration type of thing. Yeah, a sort of uh, a bitterness associated with not really having had a proper choice in the matter. But yeah, that seems to be a yeah an ongoing theme with yeah. Yo and Carly. Yeah. So yeah, at that point, Jodas fainted. Uh, the sleeping process kicked in as the metamorphosis started. It frightened the siblings, but when they confirmed that Jodas is fine, they carried it to the bank where they uh, were build the, where they're going to build the raft. After four days of building, because they never actually made one, and so that's why it took them a while to figure out how to do it. They weren't sure, you know, what would work, and so they had to spend a lot of time learning how to control it with the long poles and paddles. After some time, Jodas awakened. Thomas immediately suggested something to eat, so Jodas pointed at a bush and asked for the leaves. They were toxic for human, um, but for construct like it, they were fine. I, I was a little suspicious about these leaves. There's <laughs> a little quote here. So, eating can take my mind off other things. And oh, ellipses, okay. other things. <laughs> so I was like, well, what exactly are these leaves that they're, they're good enough to take your mind off other things? Hey, exactly. <laughs> Although... I Cocaine would make him even more hyper, so I don't know if he would take his mind off things, but hey, who yeah, knows? No, I, like, cocaine and tobacco were the only things that kind of came to mind, although cocaine's not like very dark green, it's fairly pale, mm. red berries. Tobacco... I, I remember, I still remember Gordon Ramsay going to um, wherever it was, uh, Colombia, I think, and seeing mm -hmm. the process of actually coke being made and like hell man <laughs> <laughs> but yes so the actual food you know Jolly said the actual food should be eaten by the siblings and um, it <laughs> it wasn't long when Jesusa asked how do Onkali defecate uh, and it was really funny because uh, it took was a it, year for Lilith to or was it it's again uh, I thought it was um, uh Thomas, not Jesusa, but maybe... No, Jesusa, it was Jesusa. Jesusa, okay. Yeah, <laughs> she was like, so actually, how do you shit and piss? That type of situation, literally quoting the, the book. Um, mm -hmm. And it made, you know, Jodas laugh because it took a year for uh, Lilith to ask Nikanj the same question. Um, mm. And basically, long story short, is that they don't. They shed the waste in form of a dust and liquid waste is removed in form of sweat. 
Yeah, and I was a little bit skeptical of this on kind of you know, biology slash physics grounds in mm-hmm. that it, it's difficult to be that perfectly efficient. And there's a lot of stuff that, I mean, like if you're eating leaves, there's a lot of fiber. Um, like you have to expend a lot of energy to break that down and reprocess it into something that you can like slough off of skin cells. Like Unless they have enzymes like uh, herbivore player animals that, you know, can digest the, cellulose. Yeah, yeah. I just say even then, that's, there's quite a lot of expenditure of resources true. to do that, true, right? True. If, you, if it's just, if it's just uh, not giving you any nutritional value, you're expending a bunch of money breaking, well, not money, a bunch of energy resources <laughs> <laughs> breaking down this stuff into uh, um, you know, smaller pieces, uh, smaller sugars and whatnot. That's, that's, you know, wasted energy. Um, yeah. No, so, you're absolutely right because for herbivore animals, like you, you can think of cows, it takes, you know, you spend the most day of eating or like, you know, most herbivores basically spend most, most day of on eating just to get enough nutrition. Um, but still, it's, you know, you'd think that uh, a, a being like a Jodas being like, yeah, I'm cool with just few leaves during metamorphosis, which would think that this is a high energy expenditure process. Because I mm. let's think of it like you know a butterfly, a caterpillar, go, you know, metamorphosizing into a butterfly. Like it's the same thing, but they yeah, have to eat, eat, eat reserves. to have enough energy mm. to do that process. Yeah, need need serious reserves to be sitting still doing a whole bunch of um, molecular biology work uh, without any new resource inputs right you yeah. got to build up to that and the um the other thing is just like you're going to take in a bunch of excess stuff right because you know, what you eat is not going to be perfectly in proportion with what you're made of mm-hmm. for the most part um especially if you can eat more or less anything right yeah so there's a there's a subtle differences in the composition of humans and other plants and all the rest of it so like you're going to have some waste material that you can't you know you can't store all of it indefinitely or you're you're just you know your mass will get too large to be practical <laughs> <laughs> yes but it, and also in the same like i mean there is a reason why we defecate right because a lot of the things that we uh, you know once the products the food products have been broken down to a certain extent it would require a lot of enzymatic um processes to actually um, you know, I don't know, recatalyze the certain groups onto the, you know, certain amino acids or, you know, whatever. And yeah, yeah, that's could, a could lot of to energy to, to put, right? So yeah. you... The, the trade-off isn't worth it. Anymore, yeah, right? exactly. You're, you're putting more energy into breaking it down to get it into usable components than you are getting uh, value out of those usable components unless um, like, unless they have something else which is of value in them, right? Yeah. So you, it might you might expend a lot of energy to break down something because it has, I don't know, some some trace elements, and you, if you don't do that, you won't get that in your diet, and you need those, right? Mm. But uh, you know, if it's just going to give you some extra sugars, then you know you can get those more easily from somewhere else. Exactly, right? it's the trade-off situation. We're not rabbits to like poop and then eat the poop again to just to double digest it to be able to absorb stuff. We and also the fact is that you no, know, um, like let's say a vegan diet, um, mm-hmm. skipping the reasons behind vegan, but um, a lot of like basically vegan people have to um, um, constitute for missing vitamins because. Like, for example, vitamin B12, 
28? Uh, 12. 12? Um, that's often present in some uh, meat products. I yes, think. Yeah. but it's not present in yeah. any of the... Uh, um, uh, I mean, you, you can manage a vegan diet where you eat foodstuffs that have enough of this stuff in it, but it's, you have to be a bit but more it's strategic about what right? you eat. It has to be supplemented well, I mean, you, because there's some vitamins you, you, that are not present in plants at all. So you need you need meat products for for that, and that's why. I mean, the, I think that there is that there are uh, some plant-based products which will have almost everything in them at some concentration. So you, you can you can with um, with care construct a diet which will work fine, and, and it, it's also quite individual. Um, there's quite a lot of individual variation in that there's individual variation in how good we are at. at um, uptake of certain things from uh, from our diet so it might be that some people actually need to supplement uh, because they're just not particularly good at absorbing something uh, whereas other people might be fine uh, and able to deal with lower input levels it, it you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of variation there so it's i think it's it, you know, it's not completely impossible for, for vegans i mean to, obviously it's not to be okay with impossible supplementation yeah but looking at the vegan society website you know the sources of vitamin b12 and mm -hmm. it's b12 is made by microorganisms and it isn't produced by plants so you need to have fortified mm -hmm. foods and supplements to provide that vitamin um uh, mm. enough to have to supplement it but yes like yeah. obviously I, mean, I, I supplement b12 because i'm uh, a lacto ovo vegetarian if you want to be specific mm -hmm. right so i uh, i occasionally eat eggs and uh, a fair number of dairy products milk cheese butter that kind of thing um yogurt quite a lot of yogurt but uh, yeah otherwise <laughs> yogurt, yogurt quite a lot of yogurt <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, uh, no animal derived things unless I occasionally manage to miss like gelatin or rennet in certain cheeses. But yeah, it's um, useful to supplement certain mm -hmm. things. And there's also some um, some oils. Like if you don't eat fish, um, oh my god, three oils, oils, I guess. Yeah, um, and and other I, I forget exactly. There's, okay, okay. there's some oils that that's, that's nice to have in in your neurons, smile and sheets. It's nice. In, it's in nice small. to have them. Otherwise, you would have <laughs> yeah. really bad you know, bad consequences if you don't. <laughs> I mean, like you, you can get by with other ones, and you can you know synthesize them. But it's, it's good to have a, a you know, enough of them to make sure you that you know everything's you know, at optimal concentrations. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's the thing. Like. There is a you need supplementation of certain things, and hmm. the fact that Onkali can just go into a metamorphosis and then be like, No, we don't really need any, like, you know, eating, um, or anything, but it's just like, mm, Are you sure about that? I mean, assuming they have sufficient onboard energy reserves, which if they're not expelling any waste, like, yeah, I, mean, I assume they're just you know. They've got some big fat reserves and some other stuff in there that they can but, uh, draw on. But remember that um, when uh, Akin um, fell mm. into sleep for the metamorphosis, he changed his basically height even. Like he's, mm. you know, he completely changed his human-like uh, appearance into a Onkali-like appearance, right? And, it, you yeah, know, and it there was a change a lot, of his physique, physique and, and stuff like that. So... Hmm. They basically are producing, ma uh, you know, energy and mass out of nothing, almost. Uh, yeah, well, and, and, unless they have like really very substantial onboard stores <laughs> in some <laughs> of all form, this stuff, but, yeah. just uh, 
yeah then they're uh yeah it's not very physically plausible uh, that they can get away with not having um you know uh, pre-gamed as it were yeah. <laughs> for the metamorphosis processes yeah, yeah. Uh, which is what everything in nature that metamorphoses tends to do to some degree as far as i'm aware like if you look at the insect world mm-hmm. a lot of them have some kind of nymph stage where they spend ages accumulating uh food resources yeah. uh, before they actually enter their metamorphosis phase absolutely so yeah that's this is a interesting although not entirely i would say plausible hmm. oh the other thing is cooling right uh-huh. uh, like for, for humans water is essential for keeping us at the right temperature yes uh, there's homeostatic functions to all this stuff as well actually the, the same thing for for um excreta of various sorts right you, you mm-hmm. have to uh, lose stuff to maintain homeostatic levels of things Absolutely. unless you have some way of storing it like um I don't know, uh, cholesterol in the stool and yep. know, ammonia in the urine it's it's in the know, urine uh, challenging if you can't uh, expel that stuff because it, it's hard to store because it, it's toxic if you have it in high concentrations exactly exactly so that's the thing, like, you'd think, uh, but then again, you look at uh, Lizardman or uh, Jodas, who can basically make scale uh, scales on its body, meaning that potentially it can change its, f- like, it, it's really interesting, because you'd think that, oh, having a skin, meaning that that means that you have mm-hmm. uh, pores that you will be, you know, a sweat glands uh, that, you know, you can sweat mm-hmm. out, and then... What you literally do is, oh, actually, I'm going to be a lizard now and a f- human-faced pangolin and I don't need uh, uh, sweat glands anymore. I'm just going to make uh, scales on top of my uh, skin. It's just like, hmm. huh. I suppose if you actually went like the lizard route towards scales or the pangolin route, because mm-hmm. I think uh, pangolins are mammals with keratinaceous scales, uh-huh. if I remember correctly. Uh Whereas you know, lizards different, different yeah, yeah. game. So yeah, I don't do pang- hmm. this, Do pangolins sweat? <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the episode. Do pangolins sweat? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh. Do pangolins? How do you solve sweat? the thermoregulation problem? Ah, uh, hmm. the 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 most important question mankind could ask themselves: Do pangolins sweat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will definitely yeah, check and the, put it in the references that you know <laughs> yeah they, they seem pretty flexible about their internal temperature um which humans are you know not um, yeah and therefore we need water available to do evaporative cooling um, yeah to keep things uh, at a reasonable temperature in hot environments like a rainforest but uh, exactly yeah, especially in an environment <laughs> like that so you would think that you know so it's it's a bit of a questionable explanation to Onkali not having waste. But then again, you, you have this... They had to spend, a I don't know, thousands of years on this ship. And mm. all of that waste had to be somehow um, collected yeah, by the ship to and then converted into something useful. But obviously we know that mm. it probably has some sort of internal organic nuclear... Um, reactor in the center of it or type of thing where basically it just uses that energy to uh, enzymatically mm -hmm. convert that waste into something useful useful right i suppose to be fair they have had you know like 
a couple billion years of optimization time. But then again, you kind of juxtapose that with the like changing their biology quite dramatically. Yeah, like they 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 haven't had you know billions of years of optimization time for this particular biological configuration. So it's uh, yeah, but yeah. But hey, point is they're very efficient at it. Yes, <laughs> bit too efficient to our liking, but yeah. who knows? So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jodas then told them that they will travel when it's, it is awake. If it falls asleep, they should go back to the shore and build a camp and wait until it wakes up. It's important because its family could be, you know, it, the, its home uh, where the family is waiting could be missed and the river is long and just Jodas didn't want to backtrack. Also, if they could, would be attacked and they had to abandon the raft, just drop Jodas in the water. It could breathe underwater and once it is safe, they could fish it out. If not, they should just wait nearby for it to come out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> cool. I mean, if you just like, you could technically like, they could make a raft for themselves and then just drag Jodas on the bottom of the <laughs> of the river bank, just like, yeah, just tie tie a rope to him, he'll be fine. Just you know, grow, grow yourself some some pontoon bladders, and you can just you know, float <laughs> behind the, <laughs> exactly behind the raft. I mean, you would think mm-hmm. like you know, being a construct, a, a human like uh construct and then being taught about all the stuff you could be like yeah you know what i'm just gonna make myself a like bladders and you can float or like you know and just you know swim around all the rivers and you know chart up the chart out the the new maps and stuff like that mm-hmm. boring <laughs> Uncali I, didn't I, think I, about I, it see now that i said that i just have an image of uh elastigirl from the incredible <laughs> thing yes yes <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the chapter ends with Jesusa still giving Jodas weird looks because she remembered that Jodas is hard to kill. But now she sat and fed Jodas some of the cacao pop. And, you know, that's where the chapter mm, ends. Yeah. And uh, it was mentioned earlier that, that Jodas had showed her the cacao trees. Uh, so, you know, it gave her chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. And uh, yeah, apparently she went out and found a bunch more and, and packed them along with the supplies. So seems like you know humanity discovered the power of chocolate again. Yep, and uh, yeah, that's that's not changed. <laughs> Humans <laughs> like chocolate. <laughs> oh man! Okay. The Aztecs had had fun, didn't they? When they came up with this, like, with brewing the chocolate uh, into like bitter drinks. Oh. Mm. I mean, I. I you know, a little, little bit of sugar in the chocolate is is you know, a nice extra, but uh, yeah, and a, a more bitter chocolate can also be fun. I'm a man of sweet chocolate, the one that okay. basically makes you like you eat and you're like, I feel sick, but it was worth <laughs> it. <laughs> no, I usually only go with stuff that's seventy percent cocoa solids plus. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Nice. Although I will have, uh, I will have like a little bit, of, a little bit of honey and some, uh, some uh, cinnamon mm. if I do a hot chocolate. Oh, nice. That's nice. Yeah. Back to the chap. Back to the book. <laughs> mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they, they mentioned chocolate, and we got to meet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, let's get to my chapter ten prediction. Yeah. So the trio continues the journey down the river towards uh, Jodas' family, but as life gives, 
or as Octavia Butler gives, I still thought that the group will be attacked by resistance. There's it's just no chance, like, that nothing would happen. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, uh, we're set up for a, a journey down the river, so something's got to go wrong, right? <laughs> yes, it had to. Like it was yeah. just too too calm, too calm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, can't have a peaceful journey. Yeah. So yeah, chapter ten summary. So the trio drifted on the river for days. Um, Jodas couldn't help them with controlling the rod because the only energy it had it was using to stay awake. Um, it was helping them by spotting some sandbars that the. But that was the ex- all the extent of the of its help. It also didn't mention the things that were underneath them, like water predators, because it knew they wouldn't attack, uh, wouldn't be attacked by the animals, uh, because they preferred, as the book described, more calm uh, flow instead of the the very quick river flow that they were using now to to, to travel. Mm, yeah, the carnivorous fish wasn't that. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was just carnivorous fish, but like it just generally said like carnivorous beings like predators type of thing so i thought maybe crocodiles as well type of i don't know like mm-hmm. yeah probably um but they were attacked though by other humans twice Jodas noticed a group of humans by the bank and directed them away from the group uh, but the third time it didn't not smell them in time and mm-hmm. what made it worse they were actually spotted first and yeah the first shot, uh, and the only thing that Jodas remembers was the, uh, from that event, is that it saw Jesusa falling and bleeding. Hmm. Thomas was cursing, trying to get out of the range, while Jodas unconsciously crawled towards Jesusa and locked onto her. It was unconsciously healing her, while itself was undergoing metamorphosis. Yeah, this is an, an interesting little section here, because we, we get explicitly that uh, uh, Jodas is basically you know, sort of passed out unconscious, um, but it's still doing something a bunch of this yeah stuff, right uh, there's, there's a lot of fairly complicated and yet still unconscious behaviors and processes going on uh, it seems as though and we've kind of got a little you know hints at this before that the Ankali are sort of able to offload a lot more complex a set of tasks to the equivalent of their like system one thing yeah right they they do a lot more stuff without necessarily explicitly reasoning about it um than necessarily humans can uh like the the healing and then even just the the memory recording stuff they do right where uh they're unconscious and not experiencing it in the moment but when they come back they still have a like a recorded memory of what went on which is uh, a useful ability to this kind of you know additional capability when unconscious it's a bit like the another uh i know where you you you're driving somewhere and you just go where you normally go because you're not paying attention, right? Yeah, so the, and you're the, like, the auto damn it, I was supposed like, to go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you get like almost to your normal destination, you think, oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah, uh, that kind of feeling, right? Except it, in the Owen Carly, you could presumably potentially get that with a substantially more complicated uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah. potentially consequential task. So the only thing is mm. here, I thought to myself... The recording might happen because Onkali have more ways to sense the world, right? They're like, you know, this mm. light-sensitive patches that help to still see the world and stuff like that. Mm. So it, it's like, even if you're unconscious, when the way, like, think about in our perspective where um, we close our eyes, uh, you know, our eyes are closed and we can't see anything in there, like, but we probably could hear something, obviously, um... 
mm. when you know people talk about like you know recording that when they were falling unconscious they could sort of hear people here i think might be the same situation for don caliber but they have more that you know like the tentacles and blight sensitive patches and who else what else you know who knows what mm. else to that would help them to record that sort of information their sort of cognition is a bit more modular and yeah. decentralized right yeah we talked about this a little bit with um octopus in, in yes. the past right where they have kind of more processing in their tentacles to do a yeah, bunch yeah. of like image processing stuff yeah so it might be you know, you've got some some similar stuff uh going on there absolutely um, yeah although the the memory stuff in 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 here you know we talk about the memory recording uh things a couple of times in the last two mm-hmm. books we haven't really touched all that much on the sort of genetic memory concept that was introduced back in the the first book mm-hmm which I think is perhaps one of the things that I think is a little bit underplayed or a little bit underexplored in this story because we get the concept of the genetic memory and then it doesn't really play up that much in many of the subsequent kind of plot points, whereas you think it might uh, come into play. You would right? think that, yeah. Knowledge. Yeah. Because you, you mentioned but, it, we explained it a few times and you talked about it a few times about the whole idea of, you know, the the system, you know, genetic memory and then, you know, being able to actually sort through it and being searched through it and the indexing and stuff like that. But the fact that there is this ability to actually remember so much, mm-hmm. it's really underplayed yeah, in the book. Uh... You'd think that there's there would be more into this prop uh process then especially from now in that book three considering that we have like the first person um perspective now right Mm. so Mm. that we would have like oh like remembrance of things like more more in more detail into the background of don kali given from you know from the genetic memory that jada's inherited type of situation I think you can kind of come up with a sort of a reasonably satisfying in-world explanation for this, uh, more along the lines of, I mean, like you know, we we all have you know, this you know the magic black rectangles, right? That with the portals to all of the knowledge of humanity, mm-hmm. if if we want them. But for the most part, we don't necessarily pay attention, right? Most eighty percent of it is <laughs> born, basically. So yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah there's that but also like you know we have you know wikipedia I mean, and stuff right i mean it um, does relate um, to jod as well because basically the throughout the whole book the man has been horny basically all the time like he meets a new person yeah i'm horny that type of situation yeah. so it matches really well mm. the real world <laughs> so it's, yeah we've got kind of a, you know, a teenager who has access to all of the world's knowledge <laughs> yes but is choosing not to avail uh, <laughs> himself of that information uh, and instead you know blunder through things uh, blindly on his own recognizance exactly <laughs> uh, which 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 actually come to think about it fits a lot better <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> maybe i'm uh, giving them too much credit <laughs> But yeah, it does. It kind of depends on this this notion that the um, the sort of interface, as it were, internally to this this genetic memory is a bit like you know doing a Google search or the equivalent thereof, right? Or or even a bit more manual than that, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's the that you, you you've got to explicitly go looking for some information from the genetic memory. You can't just uh, you know it won't pop up in an associative fashion in the way that um, our more um, sort of well-networked memories will so yeah it's sort of you know in cold storage as it were yeah 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 needs manual retrieval i i honestly i i think we could i would like to see 
uh, you know, Jodas sort of, sort of like maybe once it goes undergoes full metamorphosis, um, that it sort of gives us a bit of more insight into mm-hmm. Don Kali's history type of situation, you know, like m- more into the, the whole, you know, origin planet type of situation, more like, I, I don't know, something that more that we're given. I mean, to be fair, though. Hmm. So maybe the problem is there's uh, parental controls on the genetic memory. <laughs> <laughs> You're only allowed to access that stuff once you've, uh, you know, aged out of the uh, <laughs> yeah the kid's internet. Oh, God. <laughs> parental controls for genetic memory. My goodness. <laughs> that's hilarious oh, I, I just imagine that it'd be like uh, yeah you're not ready for uh, your parents banging a sort of memories type of situation or actually your whole ancestral line basically banging this. That that's for that's until you become an adult like you said 80% of it's porn right? <laughs> yes <laughs> this is, uh, yeah maybe that's why <laughs> hmm Yes. No. And of course, it's a, it, it's a badly implemented filter. So it, protect, <laughs> it, it prevents you from accessing useful information As that well. might save your life in dangerous con- co- uh, situations because they don't want you to see all the porn. Oh, yes. Yeah, basically, it's so much, like, so much porn that to find actually you have to get access to all of it because you cannot just filter out the, the, the small pieces. There's too much porn around. Way too much. Yeah. This, this fits vastly better than i was expecting you can't with a much more satisfying explanation for why the, the genetic memory is not used in world than, than i was expecting yeah oh god here we go we've solved solved it we all have been solved yep you're yeah, welcome o- octavia this... you're very welcome head cannon head cannon <laughs> but yes uh, going back to Jodas and Hesus, uh, here's a quote from the book. Her right kidney and the large blood vessels leading to it had been severely damaged. Her colon had been damaged. She was bleeding internally and poisoning herself with bodily wastes. Fortunately, she was unconscious or, or her pain might have caused her to move away before I could lock into her. Thomas crawled towards them and asked if she's alive. Luckily, Jodas was fast enough to stop the bleeding. The only other thing it was, it said was, home. Take me home. Jodas wasn't sure if it can save her. It couldn't keep the focus of our energy necessary to heal her, but at least it stopped the bleeding and the waste from her intestine poisoning her. It took a long time before it could focus on regeneration of the tissue. As the time was passing, Jodas almost missed the area they were supposed to stop. Yeah, we get an interesting little bit here from from inside Jodas's head in that it, it had a strong desire that Nikanj not touch Tomas or Jesusa, which is partly why it ended up like regrowing her kidney mm-hmm. when uh, it, it it wouldn't have needed to regrow her kidney. Um, Once it goes, uh, other went to full metamorphosis. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, she, she'd do perfectly fine with one, one kidney um, uh, for a little while, and it, uh, it could have you know fixed that later. But it didn't want um, Nakanj to to do it. <laughs> oh my god! Like you being so. Can you imagine being so jealous that like she'll be fine with one kidney? Okay, one kidney. I'll fix it later. I will fix it later. Um, yeah, but that's the. It would make sense to do the fix it later bit, right? Yes. Yeah. So she she'd be she would be fine with one kidney, and he's you know like 
out of energy and resources and kind of trying to maintain focus to to fix her up so but he does that anyway yeah uh un, sort of unnecessarily yeah and i because could, he does. but yeah. i just imagine nikandi's reaction is like um jodas you were supposed to fix Hazus's kidney dad i will do it later okay i know it it's on my plan i will do it i will do it okay just later i'm busy right now <laughs> uh, yeah the yeah it's, it's an odd one i think that that's another one of those kind of products of of the um like low level processing sometimes mm-hmm. in that you know they they have these sort of like emotional reactions to things and then they're not necessarily like fully conscious mm. so the decision making gets affected by their you know jealousies and whatnot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, when they're when they're not you know having a bit more executive control which which makes sense yeah it fits with the way human brains work too yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely um so, yeah it's it, it's interesting how don Cali, how even though but the thing is right they said that once you mature right the chance of the adult on Kali stealing your mates is very low and obviously nikanj would not steal it uh steal mm. um jodas's uh you know mate so this sort of jealousness is quite severe, right? Do you think like the, the yeah? I mean, I think it, it probably at this point in time, it's a bit well, it, it because it's in this metamorphosis phase. I imagine that post metamorphosis, this wouldn't be as much of a psychological problem. Yeah, but because it's still you know on this border between the sub adult phase mm, where mm. the jealousy kind of makes sense uh, because it can't sort of. Uh, it can't make the bonds permanent in the subadult phase, so it it, it has to be you know, jealous of its partners in case someone else uh, comes along uh, and and steals them away from it. But yeah, yeah. once it's in the adult phase, it has that capacity, so the the, the jealousness no longer makes sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah. Mm. But yeah, um, basically the chapter ends here um, with luckily Jodas. Um, the the scent of the home made uh, made um, Jodas awake enough to get Thomas's attention and tell him to hit the shore. And the chapter ends with Thomas moving them off to the, on the raft to, to the land. Um, Thomas asked if Jesus Hesusa uh, will be fine, and yes, she'll be. But Jodas' family needs to get them to help it. And the last thing was Thomas helping Hesusa off the raft and finding a bullet that shot her and then throwing it away. Yep. So Hesusa's. Uh gonna be fine you know shot through the the gut and the kidney but regenerated and you know so yeah should we get to the chapter 11 prediction sure yeah now we're uh we're home with the uh the oankali family well but, almost uh, there right so we well, have yeah. two chapters left in this part and for my chapter 11 prediction you know the journey is finally reaching the end. Like, you know, Jodas' family coming to the collection and care, take care of Jesus and the metamorphing uh, Jodas. Hopefully nothing else is going to happen, but who bloody knows? Because, you know, Octavia likes to throw a nuclear weapon at your head just just for fun, so... <laughs> hey. Okay, yeah. So you're, you're uh, expecting something to instigate some, some new uh I mean, at this point, I would be a fool <laughs> if I didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes narrative sense as well, right? You know, we, yeah. we need a new uh, a new source of tension for the next arc. So, yeah. But I I feel like that the, uh, the next two chapters is going to be more of like finally, you know, Nikanj and his uh, and uh, his family finally find uh, them on the shore, take them back, help move Jodas, and then basically 
um, Nikan going a bit crazy, realizing that, and actually Liv also going crazy. Well, actually, everyone going crazy, uh, finding that there's humans that actually have not been touched by Don Kali and they can reproduce type of situation. Yeah, yeah, that could be an uh, an interesting one, right? So I suppose we might find out. Um, hmm, yeah, uh, there's the whole Owen Kali reaction to that human village. It, what, what do you think they might do? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, honestly. I mean, at this point, yeah. the moment the Onkali will know, they will look like they will throw themselves like hungry dog or a pack of dogs at piece of food, like piece of meat. Just basically like, we come in peace uh, <laughs> type of situation. Uh, uh, but don't, don't, uh, don't resist, and uh, you'll be assimilated whether you're lucky or not. Yeah, yeah. I think well, it was. Um... Just said they'd basically be gassed, didn't he? Yeah, yeah or didn't it rather? Um, yeah, very friendly, <laughs> welcoming. Like the first thing you see is just like these canisters falling into the uh, the village, and it's only everybody running around and just falling asleep because Don Kali are like mm -hmm, tasty piece of meat. It's the Don Kali, right? So it's probably not going to be canisters. It's going to be something biological. Like what? What does the what does the knockout gas delivery system look out for? Look like for the Owen Kali? I mean, you could be literally just throw flesh like uh, balls of flesh or like you know like they they made. Um, uh, I saw this like gelatin based or uh, sorry not gelatin agarose based balls of water that you can like drink from and eat that like can be sweet type mm -hmm. of situation for elderly. It could be something like basically something That's like it, organic. Yeah. You just lob it and it's like you know it could be a droplet. You just like. It hits the the hot sun or a wind mm. just evaporates the liquid and suddenly like passed out. So that that feels too, uh, it feels too normal to me for the Oracle. <laughs> I feel like it's either going to be an animal that's specifically engineered for doing this that shows up, and it's like uh, and it's some weird like canister shaped frog that just shows up and goes <laughs> uh, makes weird noises and expels that basically gas. nerve gas that just yeah. physically yeah. Or just like a bunch of microorganisms in a nearby river or something, and you just get like a creepy mist that, that washes out oh the village God, and okay. knocks everyone out. Okay, okay, I see, I see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, thinking about it, like, yeah, my uh, my approach is way too normal for this. Uh, it's got to be more yeah, something. You, you got to think more messed up. Yes, man. yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be like, you know, the the rabbit from the, um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is basically, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a rabbit, <laughs> you know, just, you know, killing the immediately, the type of situation is just like a rabbit. And then suddenly, like, it produces these, I don't know, spots on its back that explode in the gas and they just like, oh, fall yeah. asleep. Yeah, it feels, I know, it's going to be... Uh... And it feels like it should be a bit more almost like Rick and Morty-esque, right? It's 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 simultaneously vaguely cute, but also kind of oddly grotesque. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very much so. <laughs> hmm. yeah, on, on that note. On that note. <laughs> thank you very much, everyone, for listening. <laughs> we are Xenothesis. You can find all the places we upload our podcast on xenothesis.com. I was Michael Glinka. And I was Richard Axon. Goodbye. Bye.